welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. The reason I do this intro every week is because I am under no assumption that everyone here is here every week. Maybe you're new. Maybe you haven't been around for a while. Maybe you don't know what's going on. Maybe you have no idea who this, you know, Gandalf, short-haired looking dude is. I don't really look like Gandalf at all. I mean, we both have white hair. You used to look brown-haired Gandalf. I did. I had long hair. Dude, I had long, I mean, we're talking long hair. Um, But that's a whole other story for another day. Anyway. My name is CJ Reynolds, and I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds, and it was created for you. Uh, And the idea here is I've learned a few things while I've been in education, and I just want to share what I know, right? I don't know everything. Sometimes I don't know the answer to people's questions that are on here, and I just throw them out to to the people out here in uh, in comment land, and they are have really good answers, like really, really good answers. And so that's our job. Our job is we show up every week to help you out with whatever we can help you out with. If you have a question, you can go ahead now, you throw it in the question section. Um, and if this is your first time here, or if you missed the live feed, it's every Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Show up, throw your question on the side. If you could put the word question or the letter Q before it, that just helps us see the questions. Um, and we're gonna try and, I'm gonna try and go fast and furious. And oh, I say that a lot. Dude, we're doing it. Wanna see this? Maybe that David Lee Roth question is a little bit longer than the other, but everything else. <laughs> Fast and furious, buddy. Uh, here's my phone. Um, and yeah. Oh, so uh, if this is like not enough for you, right? I have like almost 400 videos on YouTube by this point. I've talked about not everything, but damn near clo- like a lot of stuff. Um, so you can go on there. You can just search at the top and find. And there goes a kid. Uh, that was very silent, babe. There's also the podcast version of this and all the former episodes of this. There's also the teacher talk live podcast, which I used to do, like it was a live feed I used to do with other people in education. There's also mentoring available. Look, if this is not enough and you want one-on-one kind of conversation with me, you can go right to my website, realwrapwithreynolds.com, sign up for mentoring. You can see rates and availability on there. And I, I don't, I don't think we've ever had someone that would say no, it wasn't worth it. It's so, I mean, if you need that, right. So, so it's, it's up to you. It's like, it's like therapy for teachers by someone who's not qualified to be a therapist, but I'm qualified to be a teacher. Um, So, and then the book is coming out in... Beginning of April. Dude, they just said the end of March. Stop! I'm just excited. I am willing it to come out at the end of March. And so I got some news this week that it might come out the end of March now. Like, so, and I'm hustling. My girl Edie is helping me get these edits done in my last round. We sat there for like two hours yesterday on the phone and like went through all these nitpick e- things that are really good. And Edie's probably sitting there working on it right now at her house. And so it's, she's my buddy. Are you trying to fix my brightness here? Yeah, it's really low. It's bothering me. There you go. Is that better? Mm-hmm. I look bright and shiny now. Yes. Answer question. Um, Come on, fast Yeah, there we go. The book's going to be called Teach Your Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching. And it is. I'm so stoked. Like a lot. Like, so my, can I talk about endorsements who I asked to do endorsements? I mean, if you want. So I got endorsements from, um, so like the little blurb in the beginning of the book is my buddy Adam Welcome's doing one. Hamish Brewer is doing one. Um, I have Vicky Davis is going to do one. Uh, who else? A parent. A parent. Um, so if <laughs> anyone knows, the ba- I don't know if I have this audience with the uh, silky, smooth, neo-soul audience, but um, 
one of my students, his mom and dad are uh, kindred, the family soul. And so they are a group that came out around the same time as like Jill Scott and Erica Badu and stuff. And so she's going to write one of the endorsements. She's like one of my favorite parents of all time. And uh, I've gone to a dance party in her dining room one time. Jen Jones. It's another story. Uh, my buddy Jen Jones and Casey Morris, Casey Morris is doing one. Dynamic. There's a there's yeah, a lot. Dynamic. There's, there's a, a lot. Of wonderful, a lot. Wonderful like really great stuff. Willing. So yeah, I'm stoked. So uh, keep your eye out. It's good. It'll be out soon. Barnes and Noble and Amazon. And then I'm waiting to get the to see what's going on at the pre order. And then as soon as I know that, I'll share it with everyone. All right, jumping right in. Um, Brennan Street. All right, we're sticking to first names because it's easier, and I don't know why I do that to myself. Brennan is asking, "Hey Reynolds, hey man, uh, I'm a first year fifth grade teacher, and I'm wondering how to deal with kids taking advantage of your kindness and freedom you give." Is that a two part or Brennan? Oh, yes. Last week, my kids were super chatty, not following directions, and were taking their work and weren't taking their work seriously, feeling frustrated and disrespected advice. For moving forward. So one, Brendan, I would say that you are, I, I, I really, this is harder to, this is easier to say than it is to kind of hear. I don't think kids do stuff and it's personal most of the time, even if they are like, so I got yelled at last week. Some kid cursed, cursed me out last week and threw his test on the floor. Right. And if you're watching, you know, now, you know, I know that that was an issue. Uh, so I don't take that personal. Like, and one of the ways that I get around that is I kind of like do a, I, I, I smile when things happen, just very, very minimal. And I find it changes my, my perspective on the situation because that had nothing to do with me. It had to do with your inability to deal with the situation. And so you got mad and you looked for someone to take it out on and you took it out on me. Or if students are being too chatty or they're talking or you're asking them to be quiet, maybe think of one of two things. One is what you're doing engaging enough. And maybe it is. Maybe it's just the kids that day. Right. Or maybe it's not. Maybe you need to say, like, I'm actually like it. Like, am I doing enough? And two, if it is, then I stop the class and yo, I need everyone's attention in three, two, one. And I usually will sit down. I don't lord over kids because then it looks like the same thing. What you want to do is flip the script and do something slightly different that's going to get engagement. I'll sit down with kids. I'll sit in a desk in the middle of the room and go, yo, I don't know what's happening today, but we cannot continue on like this. Like what's happening right now is it's stopping us. We're trying to get from A to B and you guys kind of got lost in the, in the ether somewhere in between. Like we're stuck in the matrix somewhere. We need to get to the other side. And just having a regular conversation with your students about this. Um, I feel like I talked about this in recent videos. So if you watch any of the like the last couple of videos, like um, that helped. What are you trying to do there, dude? I need to plug this in. I'm sorry. What, the phone? Yeah. Um, well, this might be fun. This might make weird stuff pop up on the computer. So that's what I would do. Try not to take it personal. And again, I just, when things happen, I just, like have the smirk on my, and that's why I always have that smirk on my face. Cause it like, it helps me deal with anxiety. And I use it actually, I started doing it years ago in um, something called, uh, oh gosh, now it's going to escape me. What's the kind of prayer that we used to go do at Francis house? Contemplative. Yeah. Contemplative prayer where like I met this woman who was teaching me how to like pray the certain way, which is like a meditative prayer. And she said that she met a Buddhist one time. Do you remember this? And she said that you, always just put like a half smile on your face when 
you're praying or meditating and it just shifts your 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 mood and and so i've started doing that in all kinds of situations where like i'll be in a situation i just kind of half smile like all right like is it like finish going through whatever you're going through child and then we can like get down to business so that would be my recommendation um and that wasn't a short answer but i felt like you deserved you deserved the long answer there um and i hope that helps jacob is asking how do you i know i'm feeling a little feeling a little wacky this oh week oh my you know why because i had coffee and i, I had know. a slight nap coffee and a nap like zinger just fills me with life um can you explain a little bit more on how to teach vocab uh how many words do you do a week and how do you review what does the quiz look like yep so jacob i do uh for my especially for my lower level groups i do five to six words a week right and then those words get introduced on monday we do slide like have regular slides but the slides are are interesting it's something that the kids care about um and then i do note cards because i just think that i just like note cards that's how i learn and so that's how i do it and so that's one of the ways that i introduce because what i want to do is i want to introduce ways of learning things that students will need to know so it's five words a week and then those words scale until about 25 so we'll get five one week and then the next week there's like another five to get added on and then another five after that and then keep going and they're always words from the book i don't just pick random words i used to pick words that were on the sat but i found that like that didn't really the roi didn't seem to be there because i teach freshmen and so they weren't remembering that stuff until they got to, until they took the sat in junior year or whatever uh so so I just stuck with words that like in books and stories that we were reading that I felt like were difficult. Um, then I have a whole host of like different things that I do from like how to remember words. And I try to make them fun. Like what is, and here's the real quick version of this. So words come out on Monday, test is every Friday, retakes are on Monday, unless it's that first test. If you cannot pass a five word vocab test, which is really created to scale so you can win. I'm rigging the game so you can win. You do not get to retake the five word vocab test because that just means you don't care about life. All right, man. So when we do that, it is, uh, what am I saying? Simple things like what are silly ways you remember certain stuff? So growing up, um, dessert and desert, I always mix them up, but then someone told me dessert S's in it and everybody wants more dessert. No one wants more desert. And I thought, oh, all right, dinner and diner are the same thing. Live in Jersey, ton of diners around here. So like diner is a commonly used word. How do you spell it? Dinner has two ends, diner has one because everyone wants more dinner and no one wants more diner, right? It's, it's like silly ways you can trick yourself. So the word mirth came up the other week and one of the kids said, mirth sounds like birth. And so birth is you feel happy after you have a baby, right? So mirth and birth kind of go together. It's a way that you can kind of trick yourself. Other ways we like, We'll sculpt words with Play-Doh real quick and everyone gets a word. We play games where the kids have whiteboards or a piece of paper or their note cards. And I will quiz them by having like different, uh, last week was all memes. So I would put like, they were all memes that had to do with a YouTuber named Laserbeam, who was a YouTuber that all my students like. So all different memes. And then for each one, they had to hold up the card that went with the meme. I've used GIFs before. I've used TV clips. I've used songs. I've used all kinds of stuff that is trying to connect with your kids, what you want them to know with what they already are interested in, not with all what they already know, but with what they're actually interested in, I think helps even better. Um, so yeah, I find, look, there's a lot of vocab review stuff out there. 
I just think the weirder it is, the better. Like the weirder it is, the more stuff they remember. So when I can remind them that like when we did that same kind of trying to connect a word with what you already know or what it makes you think of. And I think I might've said this in a video already. I don't know if I said it last week, the word heinous was one of them. And one of the kids is like, that sounds like anus. And I was like, good. All right, let's go with it. Like if you're an anus, how do you act? And they're like, like an ass. And I'm like, yes. I'm like, so if, if you're, if someone is heinous, it means they're evil. It means they act like an ass. And so heinous and anus go together. They're forever going to remember that. I hope one. they do. They I hope will. they go. I don't remember a lot from Mel's class. There were balloons and bubbles and confetti a lot of times, but I remember. Anus and anus. I anus, remember. You know, damn, that would be great. Uh, that, this is the question I already had. So I'll move to this one, in your opinion. No, this. Oh. I, that was a two parter. Yeah, that one. Oh, say, Brooke is asking, in your opinion, how important is it for a teacher to get their master's? Brooke, I don't have my master's. And I think I would, it would be interesting for me to go back. Um, but I can't really answer that because I don't have it. Now, look, some school districts in some states require you to have it and or at least be working on it. But I don't have mine. And part of that's because I started late. I was late to the game, right? Like I went to community college for like longer than Van Wilder was in college. And then I went to because uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Then I went to um, a four year school for like several years and then I had to go back and like it was a whole thing and so at this point I'm like I'm not going back and getting my master's plus I read a lot um I'm always listening to podcasts I'm always listening to audiobooks on my commute like so that is something I feel like I'm teaching and learning and especially in this season of my life I am going through this process I'm going to say this publicly I'm going through this process of relabeling my friends and so what that looks like is I'm 43 years old. Like not everyone is trying to get down hardcore like I am. And that's fine. Like what I mean by that is like some people have like kind of grown into their life. They are, they have their kids, they have their job, they have their things that they do on the weekends and stuff and they're content and that's awesome. Um, but I've found that I'm in a stage of my life where like feel like in a lot of ways I'm just getting started and I'm starting this all this new stuff and like writing books and starting businesses and speaking places and all this stuff. So like that is new. So I'm trying to find people that are trying to get after it in a similar way that I am as well. And in that I find my, I'm surrounding myself with a lot of really interesting people that are really pushing me and growing. And so like the idea of a master's is great, but like, I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm making up my own master's. Uh, Dave Mathis is asking a uh, very important question for you. Uh, David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar. So for those of you that don't know, those are the two, they're the only two singers that matter from, from Van Halen, right? There was another guy, but we don't talk about him. Um, he was terrible. Yeah. It's like, it might, it's like your eighth grade dance date. You don't always, never mind. Um, so anyway, uh, what am I thinking of? That was rude. Cause I really liked my eighth grade dance date and i only got so to go with her because she one. went to she yeah, liked mike one. and never mind anyway um i would say it used to be sammy hagar because that's when i was coming i came up was growing up and in 1984 when the uh van halen 1984 album came out it was the biggest album in the world and it was amazing something about like when i was coming into my own was when sammy hagar was the lead singer of van halen but i'd say in retrospect uh, David Lee Roth, a hundred percent, because he is literally the most interesting man on the planet. And David Lee Roth, I actually, fun fact, 
dedicate he's one of the people I dedicated my book to. Um, it was to my family, to my wife and my kids, and David Lee Roth, because David Lee Roth once said, and this is a great story. Um, David Lee Roth went back to Pasadena. He was visiting with some high school friends, and they found themselves talking one night, and this is after 1984 had come out, and they were saying, man, it must be nice to be you, to be like, you know, David Lee Roth, Mr. Van Halen, and he says, when we graduated from high school, we all walked across that stage the same way, and we all sat down, and you took a job in in finance, and you took a job in banking, and I chose to sail the seas of consequence, and it has made all the difference, and my God, that quote is one of my favorites. You chose, I chose to sail the seas of consequence and it has made all the difference. I think that people in general, but especially teachers who choose to sail the seas of consequence have far more interesting classes, far more interesting stories, far more interesting lives as teachers than teachers that don't. Because like Seth Godin says, and I'm always repeating him, people like us, right? People that show up on Super Bowl Sunday, on Groundhog's Day, which is one of the most important holidays in the American <laughs> lexicon. Um, we are, I'm not even sure if I use that word right. But anyway, we show up on Sunday nights because to do this. People like us do things like this because we have shown the sale of the seas of consequence. And I think that, that is, that's one of my favorites. So David Lee Roth. Um, how's the running? Rich. Uh, Rich, I went to day, what, 403? 403. 403. What a weird number that you it was. Because I, I was going to run. The idea was every day for a year, right? So I start on December 10th. I, I hit that mark. Then I was like, I'm going to run till the end of the year. So I ran every day in 2019. Then I got to that number and I was like, well, it's really close to 400. So like, I might as well just get to 400. Then I got to 400 and I was like, I don't want to just end on 400. And so I ran like three more days and then I totally far gumped it. And I just thought, I don't, I don't want to run anymore. Like I'm just done. I'm done with that. So I started a new challenge, which was my 10, 10, 10 challenge. And I'm going to be honest with you. I forgot. I just like, there were nights when like, well, we it's would been go a to weird bed. thing because it's a switch from going out to do something to yeah. it's there's you're just, we're just in our house. I think hats. one, it's too comfortable because it's right there. Yeah. Two, it was something you need to record yourself. I wasn't putting myself. Yeah. Publicly. I wasn't holding myself publicly accountable. So I'm going to reset that and do, I'm still going to do it. But like, I just, I fell, I fell off and it was one night we went to bed and I remember we woke up the next morning. I was like, Oh no, uh-huh. we didn't exercise yesterday. <laughs> like it totally escaped me. And the funny part is I was so nervous about that with running too. Like I didn't, mm. I was afraid that I was going to forget to do it. Um, John Lopez, my buddy is asking, Question, what type of beer are you having? I recommend an Imperial Stout. Yo, I love Imperial Stouts. Right now I'm drinking. Love Imperial Stouts. Yeah. We have, we have very similar uh, beverage tastes with, with John. Lopez, if you're, I don't know, I forget where you are in California, but I'm going to be in San Diego in June for Burgess Con, or I don't know what they're called, Pyrocon, um, for <laughs> Dave like Burgess that. and Shelly Burgess's conference. So if you're in the San Diego area, we should... Uh, Get some beer together. I'm drinking an Indian pale ale tonight by a local brewery called Yards, which is one of my favorites. Um, Brennan is asking, I know your school is almost all African-American, and I was wondering what you do for Black History Month. One third of my class is black. I'm white. I definitely want to acknowledge and celebrate. So this year, for like the first time, really, like we usually do Black History Month, but we don't do like, it's not huge. Um, 
because I think it's addressed. I think I think it's celebrated all year is what I really feel like it, in a number of classes, not all classes, probably. But uh, we are doing like we're doing like door decorating and stuff like that. Did I tell you this? I have to decorate my door. No, why didn't Bro. you tell me? I love Well, I have to wait doors. until the supplies come in. It's going to be so next level. Ooh, what are we going to do? Like no one is going to be able to touch it. I'm going to destroy oh, everyone else's crafting. door. <laughs> yeah, I have an idea. It's going to oh, be good. like, it's not just the door, babe. It's of like, oh, it's like the force around. Remember the time I made the tree? Yes. And with all the books and stuff, yes. it's going to be oh, even tougher that. than that. It's going to be badass. So like we're doing that. And then, I, you know, I, I think what I like doing is just kind of looking at interesting things in culture. So one of the guys I teach with last year had us look at, he was celebrating folks in the African-American community that invented things that most people didn't know they invented. Uh-huh. So, and you can look this stuff up online. Like I think like the streetlight, there's maybe Jim Bean, like, uh, like there's some random, like some crazy, really about, important yeah. stuff, like the artificial heart or there, there's crazy stuff. And so I think I was talking to this woman at church today, or actually my wife was talking to her and um, she is this older African-American woman. And she was saying that it's really important to her. We got in this conversation about her house has been in her family for generations. And she said, not many people in the African-American community can say, this is where my great, at her age, anyway, she's an older woman. This is where my great grandparents lived. And she's like, in our family, I can say that. And we were like, yo, I never yeah, thought, it's yeah. just like one of those things that doesn't, it's just like, it doesn't affect my daily life. And so I just didn't think about it. But Saeed, my student that was killed earlier in the year, that was his family's house. That was like one of the things in their family were like their mm-hmm. families their home had been handed down generation to generation. Yeah, and awesome. so they were owned this house and they were free and clear and everyone knew them because they'd lived there for generations. Yeah. And so um, that was really kind of a sad moment, even in that was added on to that crisis. So uh, I don't know. So I, I mean, I addressed it in my hip hop class, but that's the hip hop class is all about African-American culture largely. So um, I would say go outside the box, right? Like, all the major figures are are interesting. Like if you want to watch hidden figures or you want to talk about Malcolm X or Martin Luther King Jr. or Rosa Parks, but like who else isn't getting shouted out that's still in the shadows that you can that you can shine a light on? That's I think would be a really interesting move. Courtney is asking, hey Reynolds, how do you make teaching writing fun? Probably writing is probably my least favorite thing to teach. I, Courtney, I think that's a great question. So I, I'll give you two answers. One, one of the ways I try to attack that is by having students write about things they want to tell people about. So what's a time? So this is why I do journals every day in class. What's a time when you almost got caught, but you barely got away? Or what's a time that uh, you got in a lot of trouble? What's a time that, you know, you were the dirtiest in your life? Um fill in the blank. I'm seven years old. I come home from school. What TV show do I watch? And what snack am I eating? And so like things like that, their kids are like, Oh, and then I go, don't tell anyone, write it first. And then what we, so in the beginning of the year, you can paraphrase and you can tell the story as long as you wrote it first. At this point in the year, we're shifting into, you can only read what you wrote. So there's no minimum sentence, um, like you don't have to write like a minimum number of sentences, but you may not tell the story if 
you don't write the whole thing down. And so if I feel like you're just looking at the page and pretending, then I just tell you that you lost your turn. So you have to write the whole thing. And that makes kids want to write more. The second thing is, I think sometimes shifting how we're looking at stuff. So for instance, when I first started teaching, I did persuasive essay and I, we were going to write, like read like Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech, which is really great for like persuasive uh, speech. But nobody wanted to do it. Everyone was bored by it. So instead... I had the students create infomercials. And so they had to write a script that was essentially a persuasive speech um, uh, for any product that they were going to invent or or an, like an improvement upon an existing product. And then they had to make an infomercial or either make it like record it or perform it in the front of the class. And they had to like, then we created the, the product, whatever it was. So like kids did like weave and they did... Um, I forget what else we did. It was the weave one was the craziest <laughs> thing because it was like a magic weave and it was just hilarious. But like, what could you create? And then that is something that the students really leaned into and wanted to do and it made it more fun. So I think just making it, tricking them into doing it essentially by creating something that they want to do. Uh, oh, Oz, Osmusi? I don't know if I'm saying that right. Probably not. And I apologize. Uh, the question is, do you use detention as a punishment? Um, I used to. I don't anymore. I never get detentions anymore. Um, I used to give really, really weird detentions, even when I gave detentions, because having someone just sit in a room and do nothing is pointless. So I would do things like if two kids got a detention for arguing in class or being rude or whatever they were doing, I would have you show up in my room and I would do stuff like draw on my... Oh my, I had a chalkboard, draw on the chalkboard a circle and fill it in. And you each got a rubber band and whoever could erase the most of the circle within a certain set amount of time uh, could leave. And the other person had to serve the full detention after that. Um, or you could just sit down and just start from the jump. Or it was like, all right, you have five minutes to do this, um, go, but then one person gets to leave. And so students would have the challenge or I would, um, have kids have paper ball fights. I would have kids like do challenges. And then whoever lost had to stay for the detention. Whoever won got to get out of it. And now I usually just, if I do give a detention or I have someone stay after class uh, on the rare chance that it happens, it usually happens as part of like, we have a conversation about, about what happened. So it's not just like, I'm not just punishing you because that doesn't do anything. Like it, no one gets mad at that kind of stuff or like they're just going to get pissed off so it's like i'd rather handle the situation and that works better for me than giving out of detention uh da vinci da vinci i don't know i'm not smart uh is asking does your school have emergency drills and do the teachers or students take it seriously uh we do occasionally here's how i hand here's how i make it serious one i tell kids look i don't know if you guys know this or not this is exactly what i say to my students I don't know if you guys know this or not, um, but I'm kind of a big deal, right? Like I'm I'm on the internet. So, and when you're on the internet, it means you're a big deal. Now I need, like, this is like, you know, my job. So when we have an emergency drill, I need you to be serious because I need to survive whatever we're going through because I'm kind of a big deal, right? And what, what that does is, it is, I think when we tell kids, look, right, this is how... I feel like it would have been handled when I was in high school. The teachers would say something like, listen, we're going to have a safety drill today. There's no messing around. And I'm not kidding. 
you mess around, you're going to be in trouble. I'm going to call your mom. You want a detention? Keep it up. You want detention? Then go ahead and talk. I feel free to talk. I had like, these were like my, I could just see like these male super jock teachers that I would have back in the day. Um, and that just made you want to laugh. It just made it want to be silly. And so I think either I say something ridiculous like that, or I sit down and I explain to my students, guys, look, this is what's going on. We know this is a real thing happens in the world. I don't want anyone to get freaked out by it, but, and I'll do anything I have to do to keep safe, but you have to help me out here that if we're going through a drill and you should be quiet so that this, 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 and this is what's going to happen. Right. And then I walk them through like where we're going to sit in the room and how we're going to handle it and all that stuff. Now for fire drills, this is how I get kids to be quiet. I could have that same speech. I could tell them how important it is. And like, we got to be quiet and blah, blah, blah. Cause we're supposed to be quiet as soon as we leave class. I get my room number, which is on a big placard. I put it on my hand on a stick. I carry the hand on a stick out through the hallway. So everyone knows where I am and everyone can find me and you don't get lost in the sauce. Then I tell the kids, everyone's supposed to be quiet. And if you're not quiet, you know what happens? Cho comes over and screams at your class. And nobody wants Cho to come over and scream at their class. So what we're going to do is be extra quiet. Because when we're quiet, it's going to make everyone else that much louder. Because now they stand out that they're being loud. And we're going to laugh at the moment they get in trouble. Because it's always great to see Cho yell at someone. It's hilarious because she just gets her face gets all red and contorted. And it's amazing. So that's how I actually get kids are actually will get quiet. When we see Cho coming, I'm like, yo, all right, peace. Like, chill. And then they'll get real quiet and it makes everyone else seem louder. And then that's how I get my kids to be quiet during fire drills. And that, so you could run with that or you could just do it the regular way. Uh, Avery, Avery and the crazy family. You've got to have a YouTube channel and that has got to be your name. And if it is, go ahead and put your link because I'll check it out. I have a kiddo who comes to school one period a week. Parent says, I can't get her to come to school. And I've tried to build a relationship with her uh with her too to encourage her but no luck suggestions oh gosh um so here's here's my plan um i don't know how old this child is but i would say i have one of these now right and teacher comes in on friday tells me that this kid is not coming to school very often he's a senior and he's gonna he's already in danger of not passing for the year and or graduating um so would I please talk to him? My plan on Monday, tomorrow, is to sit down with him. And I've done this 100 times before. I've talked about this on videos before, is to ask that student, what is their goal in life? Like, what do they want to do? What, do, what, what happens after school is finished? And then, like, plan that out. Like, so last year, I did this with a student. I, this is when I started doing last year. I literally, like, did one of these on my desk and cleared everything for dramatic effect and pushed it all on the floor. And I said, what is your plan for your future? Like, what kind of house do you want? Not, do you want a house? Not kind of, I want to live in Philly. Like, where in Philly do you want to live? If you want to live in Philly, or do you want to move outside of Philly? How many bedrooms do you want? How many bathrooms do you want? Do you want a pool? Do you want a front lawn? Do you want to live in a condo? Like, what do you want it to look like? We drew that on the board or on my desk with a, with a uh, dry erase marker. Um, what kind of car do you want? Okay, do you want hubcaps? Do you want rims? You want a sweet stereo system in there? Like what kind of, like paint the picture. What color do you want? All right, drew that on there. And then we just sat there for, I don't know, 20 minutes and reversed, my dog's freaking out. Um, reverse engineered his entire life, right? And by first putting everything you want up there, do you want to help your mom? Like what every single thing that I could think of. Now, how do we get from here to there? So the kid wanted to be a nurse. And I've talked about this dude before. You 
cannot be a nurse by simply showing up at the hospital with a nurse's uniform on. You will get arrested if you just start nursing people. You have to have a high school diploma. Then you go to like, it's, I think it's only a two year program or something like that in community college in Philadelphia to become a registered nurse. So you need this to get that. And that leads to all the other stuff that you want to be able to do. And so that's where we, that's how we talked about it. And that's how we figured it out. So it's, I think it's sometimes kids don't see how A plus B equals C because they are, I can't really believe I just made a math metaphor, but they don't see how all this stacks up to get to where they are. They always think they can just do it later, but it's like, bro, win the game in the beginning of the game. Don't wait for the buzzer beater that you're going to like shoot the last shot. We went from math metaphors to sports metaphors right now. What's happening? But I don't even know what's happening. <laughs> this is not me. But if you if that's your game, yeah, it gets shock value. But like, no, just be the best from the jump and then move forward. So that's what I would do with that student. And even if they're younger, you can try and help them figure that out. It's still a fun exercise to do. And that kid I did it with last year is living life now. And he told me it's like he literally draws it back to that exact conversation that he had with me that like changed his his course. Uh, Amanda is asking, how do you work with the AIDS TAs that, that you don't get along with? Oh my gosh. Um, or had different teaching styles. My parrot is very old school and she keeps storming out of the room. No joke. Um, Amanda, I would say I have had seven co-teachers in the last four years and that is and at least and then there's been a whole bunch of other like one-to-ones that have been in my room and like all kinds of other stuff that's happened like occasional people that pop in once a week to keep an eye on a kid or whatever i i think there's two things you can do one i really think building relationships with those people is important as well because they might not change their style, but they at least understand why you do things the way you do. So I've had old school folks, I've had new school folks that are like super militant, Nick Homan, we're not messing around in here. And I'm sitting there holding a bubble wand in my hand like, oh, oh, we're not, we're not messing around. Um, or the other day I walked around class and kids that were doing like my students on Friday did really well when taking their test. And usually Fridays are like kind of crazy period, especially in the afternoon. Everyone did so well. I just happened to have some confetti on my desk and I took that confetti out. I went around and I sprinkled it on kids and I said, you're doing a magical job. And I just want to note that. And it was really funny. And I'm sure the maintenance people didn't, weren't happy about it, but uh, it was, um, it was just fun. But like, I've had teachers that would see stuff like that and they're like, you treat them like little kids. And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm just making it like school sucks, man. Like, I don't know how many times I can say this. But like, it is, it it's just funny, right? Like, it's yeah. just, it's, it's like, just fun. there's a video I put up, I think on Instagram the other day when I sprinkled it on Muppet when he was oh, laying I on the couch, it. cause he's not in my class, but he's one of my TAs. And he just thought it was the most, yeah, he collected sad. it and carried it with him for the rest of the day. He no, he just held it in his hand. Like it was That's a precious jewel. Yeah, it was awesome. Muppet. So I, I think, oh, just kick the dog. Um, oh. So that's what I would, uh, that's what I would do is like um, try and build that relationship with them and talk with them and say, look, I, I'm not like, where, what do you think uh, like a great class looks like? Like, like, let's have that conversation. Like, what do you think we should do? And then sometimes I would just send some of my other TAs like out, like I'd say like, Hey, today or, or my, um, my co-teachers, like, 
Um, do you think you could work with these two students? We're going to do this thing. I'm not sure it's going to work for everyone. I think these two guys are really struggling. And this is a real thing. But like, do you think you could take them to this classroom at least for 10, 15 minutes to get this piece done? It might help them when it's so when we work in small groups, a lot of times, for instance, it gets really loud because everyone's talking and some students really have a hard time with all that noise. So like, would you mind like taking them to the hallway or doing another classroom when the small group reading portion is done, bring them back and we're all together again. And sometimes that helps build culture too and helps that teacher kind of get an escape or whatever. The last thing I would say to do with that is if that person that's in your room is ever with other people during the day or has been with them in the past, talk to those folks about how they navigated that situation and what worked best um, in that situation might work as well too. Uh, little Space Freckles is asking. Oh, it's not really a question. It's just a really okay. nice compliment. I don't know if you remember me. But yeah, of course I do. But I started watching you my second year in college and you inspired me to take the leap from elementary to secondary ed and English teacher. And I'm so glad that I did it. In my last semester in college doing... My student teaching now and still watching your videos. I do remember you, uh, and because I remember that name, it's not it's easily not a common it's not, one. It's, it's a, not yeah, it's, it's a not easy to forget. Um, but I'm glad. Thanks so much for for still sticking around. And so, um, if there's ever anything I can do, please let me know and um, have fun with student teaching. I'm actually putting out a student teaching video this week uh, because I get asked about it all the time. And there's two other ones that already exist, but this is like my. It's like a different, like Reynolds take on, on student teaching. Um, you already addressed that one. So I don't know if you want to skip it or let them know. Uh, what's your plan for black history month? Um, by March, I'm not, I I'm having trouble with that name. Uh, it is. So I did, I did already address that, but in short, uh, I, I kind of like, because I teach the history of hip hop, we're always talking about like hip hop culture, which of course is like tied into African-American culture and even into like, like a million other things. But that's where I, we're constantly talking about culture in that sort of way. So there's not a specific Black History Month thing that I do because I feel like that's always a part of my plan all the time. And that's because I teach, I mean, my students are 99% African-American. We have one Asian kid. And every year we have one Asian kid at my school. We did have one white kid one time too, but uh, that, so it's like, that is the culture in which I'm teaching. So I, you know, what that makes it kind of easier to do is address that because I, we're not such a diverse population in that particular way. My buddy, Tracy Pinter. Um, if no one knows Tracy Pinter, she's always in here. She has a little wrench next to her knee because she is the one that helps me like kick out weirdos when people come in and start yelling, hail Satan. And uh, she is just a wonderful human being and she lives in Ohio. <clears throat> and she's great. So she's asking, how do you deal with administration that believes everything students say, middle school, not com uh, not communicate with teachers, and then throw back in teachers' faces randomly? Um, so I, Tracy, I'm at a place where, how do I want to talk about this? I find it's easier to deal with certain administrators in my, like not just right now, right? I'm If I'm thinking back, right? So like, even if I think of how I would have done things differently at my old school, I've learned that certain administrators are approachable and should be approached and others are not interested in being approachable. So for instance, if I use my old school, right? Um, 
I used to go to who was essentially the principal, but I learned later in my career at that school that it was actually the guy above him that had the answers. Because what I was doing was literally, I was actually asking the middleman and I shouldn't have been doing that. I should have been going right to the top dog who made the decisions and could fund the project or was excited about what the school was trying to do. And I didn't know that because he was quiet and he sat in his office alone. And then I built a relationship with that individual and I found, oh, this is the person I need to be going to anyway. So right now, and this is not a diss against any of my administration, because I really think I could go to any of them with a problem and they'd actually listen to me. But I find that the person I work best with is my friend Cho. Part of that is because we have a relationship. And so the other people on the admin team are great, but I just, that's kind of my homie. So I, I work with Cho. So if I'm, I had an issue with a student the other day, Cho, uh, I'm going to hit her up tomorrow and say, hey, look, this is the particular issue that we're having. I know you get along with the student. Can we sit down with them at some point during the day or during this week to kind of like talk things out so that we are all on the same table and that student can, I have a better chance of that student hearing me because they feel like there's someone there that's representing them that, that they know cares, which is Cho and they, I'm the person they don't think cares. So that person will help me hash that out. Now, look, I don't say this other part easily, but I mean, you and I have talked about before. I think sometimes it's about looking for somewhere else. I think sometimes schools, I, teachers don't do this enough because schools, because look, I mean, you have a kid or you're a single parent or you are, your husband lost your job, his job and you're the, the, the single income right now. Like I realize that there's struggles. I just think teachers should be wondering more often whether or not that school is worth staying at. Not all schools are worth staying at. Some schools are broken systems that are not going to get better or they're not going to get better soon enough. And it is, it is dragging you down as a teacher who wants to be all they can be, but the school keeps knocking you down and telling you no or making it impossible. Like you don't get extra credit for like, for, I don't know, for staying true. It's like, if you were in a relationship that was broken, that the other person was bad for you, that they were physically, verbally, mentally abusive to you, like you'd get out of that. But we stay in schools for, and we tell each other it's for the kids, but it's like the kid, maybe the kids shouldn't go there either. Maybe that school's not good for anyone. But I am at a space now where like, I would really think about that, whether or not that was the school for you. And um, if you don't have a connection piece, like if there's not someone in your school you can go to, is that the right school for you? And are there other options out there? Because you're still going to go on and help kids. Like you're still going to, you're still doing it for the kids, but is that place the healthiest place for you? Right? Like you have the option some, or, or do you like, it's worth wondering about whether or not that was an option that you have for yourself or not. Um, Kevin is asking Kevin Lynn. I, didn't want to, I don't know you like that one. Just like abbreviate your name. Kevin Lynn is asking, I am observing high school English classes for field experience. What should I look for, uh, with observing as anyone, as someone who is trying to become an English teacher? What up boys? You leaving? Grayson's leaving everyone. Um, I'm going to say goodbye to everyone. Grayson wears, Grayson has shorts and a t-shirt on right now. What's up, bro? What's up? Looking handsome, man. Look at you guys. Chris looks brothers. weird on the camera. Come no, he doesn't. Well, he looks different. And there's Mark. Oh, what are we in? We're getting, like infested with children right now. Okay, well, so everybody. Grayson, who, who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl tonight? 
Do you know? No one? Did it ask you the wrong question? 49ers. 49ers? Okay. But I want the Chiefs win because Andy Reid. Yes, I was about to say I would like the Chiefs to win, but everybody put an A right. in the chat for Andy Reid. All right, all right. So let me get back to my, my thing. Okay, right. bye. Oh my gosh. Madness time. Uh, so, what would I look for if I was observing high school classes? One, start taking ideas now. You see something that you like, you think, see something that you think is cool, something that you think is interesting, write it down. You see something that you don't like, something that you don't want to be, write that down also. And then I would look for people that are having fun. Look for teachers that look like they actually enjoy their job, that the students actually want to be in the class. And then I would talk to those individuals. Hey, it looks like you really enjoy your job. Can I ask you about that? Can we talk about that? Can I ask you a question about like, how do you stay there? And ask students. Um, it looks like you guys really enjoy this class. Like, it's not worth asking kids that don't enjoy a class, but the kids that do enjoy a class, um, what is it about this class? What is it about this teacher? What do they do? What do they say? How do they make you feel in class? And then getting notes on that kind of stuff and then keeping that for yourself. And the other thing I would say is uh, try to be a part of it in some way, shape, or form. So even though you're observing it, it's easier to observe when you're in the mix. So if you're doing small reading groups and you can sit in one, if you can take attendance, if you can grade papers, that's going to give you a way more in-depth feel of what it's like to be a teacher than just sitting in the back. The other thing I would say is look interested. You are watching them. They are also observing you. And you have no idea when you're going to need someone to write a recommendation for you or to ask you to do like you need them to, you know, you want to write that, ask them for your help, for help, like getting a job or something along those lines. So don't sit in the back of the room just on your phone. Put your phone away. Look like you're actually interested and in checking out what's going on. And that's going to that can go a long way as well. Uh, best of luck, dude. Uh, that's, I, I enjoyed doing that stuff. I thought it was fun. Winter is asking. How do you deal with criticism as a teacher? So Winter, as luck would have it, I just made a video about this called, what do you, what the hell do we call it? Oh, uh, for teachers that dare to be, be different. different. Yeah. Um, I have put up with a fair amount of criticism in the years I've been a teacher, right? People think I do too much. People think I'm too much in the hallway and in class and with the stuff that I do. And some people think I'm not enough, ironically, which is, you know, interesting as well. I do two things. One, I surround myself with the kind of people that I want to be around and that I want to be. So like, who is, who are the five people that I'm hanging out with the most? Because I believe that like Jim Rohn says that you are the average of the five people that you hang out with the most. The second thing is I just get, I try to get myself to not care. Right. And the way that you do that is you just keep doing you. And then over time, it's like, look, the crazy cat lady that lives on your block, right, is the crazy cat lady, but not forever. Like, you just kind of get used to her, and you see all those cats down there, right? Like, the first time that I saw, I'm trying to think of, like, we have a lot of bizarre individuals that live in our neighborhood. So there is a man who rides a bicycle in our neighborhood with a cat that rides either on his head or his shoulder. Do you remember this dude? No, I thought it was a squirrel. What about the guy who had a squirrel? Oh, there was a guy that has a squirrel also. There's also a guy that has a parakeet. There's a lot of animals riding on people that are riding on, on bikes. Yeah. Um, so it was weird the first time I saw it. And then I, you forget about it and you just see him and it's like, oh, there goes the cat on the head guy. And then it's only weird when other people come over and they go, 
Yo, does that dude have a cat on his head? Oh, yeah, that's the cat on the head guy that rolls around the neighborhood. Um, so it's what people will get used, they sort of like get desensitized to your odd and and they just kind of go with it. And so you have to ride that storm out because you know it's like if you had a pink mohawk in school tomorrow, it would be weird. But then by next week, it's like, eh, you know, it's a pink mohawk. Yeah, we, I kind of forgot about it. And I don't notice that anymore. <laughs> That's it. Stay true to you, man. Keep doing what you're doing, especially if it's Wait, for the is, kids. is the guy that has the cat on the head, is that person still around? I don't, it's a revolving cast of characters. It is. Remember big guy, little car? Or big guy, small dog? Uh-huh. Um, we had a guy. This guy was, the, my man was enormous. Was guy, what did the guy, the little wolf man that used to run constantly with his, like, flasher on? Oh, Google? Um, I don't know his real name. No, was. that's the young guy. He's younger. I'm talking about the really old guy. He oh, the like, walker. And yeah, and he, he couldn't like, even run. No, it was the most precious thing he ever. He would walk so far. And he had, he, he was had always around in multiple holes. towns. He had a utility belt, remember? Yeah. We live, awesome. you know, we, in live, we, live, we live on the island of Misfit Toys <laughs> in our neighborhood. Oh, yeah, man. The Holy Roller, the guy used to walk, ride around on his... Uh, on his wheelchair. wheelchair, his motorized wheelchair, and he would hand out tracks to like all the little kids that were playing in the park. They'd be like four years old, and he's like, "Do you want to go to hell when you die?" It was like really, it was like I don't know if this is your dot demographic you're shooting for, but you're at a playground and you're old and you're talking to kids that you don't know. Like I don't know if that's the move, my man. Oh my yeah, we called him Holy Roller because he had a wheelchair. Um, that one was probably a little bit offensive to someone, and I didn't mean it to be, but. No, no. Moving on. Uh, Taylor Cole, it wasn't meant to be. Um, he was always in the 4th of July parade, too. He would decorate his wheelchair and ride the 4th of July parade, which was amazing. Um, hey, Reynolds. Look at Amanda. Okay, I don't need picture. Uh, yes. Oh, we could. We could. Our neighborhood could have Especially a where we show. live. We live on the, like, right off of the main street. And we live. Our neighborhood is wild. I mean, like. Our, we sit out on the porch My at night in the summer. It's like favorite Fourth of July show. parade ever okay, was real quick. The flatbed truck. So it happens right in front of our house. The flatbed truck that went by, that had a gentleman's club, had owned it. So there were strippers on the back of the flatbed truck. That was followed by the Baptist church in the neighborhood that was handing flyers out to everyone to come to their church. And it was like literally only in our neighborhood could something like this happen um and we all thought they were nurses we thought it was from the hospital because yeah, all the strippers nurses. were dressed they as were like confused. nurses and we were like what's until happening until they went by and they what took hospital their floor are those mat. women from they took their floor mat because they didn't even have a of, sign they yeah. just had a floor mat on the back of the truck oh, it dude hilarious. it was classic classic moment Ooh, okay, um all right on. next question that had nothing to do with anything uh hey reynolds ninth grade ela teacher here second year awesome second year is a good one uh it's one of my favorites I'm beginning Merchant of Venice with my students. Ooh, Merchant of Venice. Do you know a good film adaptation I could use for scene comparison? Thank you. So there's Merchant of Venice with Al Pacino um, that they made. You got to watch out, though, because there's nudity in it. And it's like um, topless women that are sneaky in the back. You don't see them. They're not like overtly out there. But they'll just like walk in the back. And then you'll hear some kids giggling. You're like, oh, man, one of them got by me. But there's tons of clips online. There's also a bunch of really good clips online of certain sections. So like um, Shylock saying like, to bait fish with all, will feed nothing else, I'll feed my revenge. Um, that whole speech, there are different actors that have done that online. That's the, And you can just look it up on, on YouTube. And those are really fun. I, I might have some of them. If you go to my YouTube channel and in the top bar where you can search just my YouTube channel, 
um, or look through my playlist, there's a playlist called Videos We Watch When Doing Merchant in Venice. And you can find some of that stuff there. And it's like different music that I use, different comparisons that I use and stuff like that. But that's the that's the best one. There's a lot of other ones, but they're real kind of BBC, old like old school BBC where it was like, I don't know that this is interesting. Yeah. Uh, other than that, that's what I think of the most when I think of that is the Al Pacino version because um, it's really it's really well done also. <clears throat> uh I'm never going to say your name right. And that is. No, he did it phonetically. Oh, did they? Yes. Did they really? Yeah. My name. Thank you for knowing me. I just appreciate you taking the extra moment to to say that. So I don't. So I can honor your name. Uh, Let's see. Can you do it? Jahiru. Jahiru? Jahiru. Jahira? You probably said it better. Jahira. I think that feels right. I'm going with it, Jahira. And if I said it wrong, I apologize. If I said it right, yes. Um, what is a good way to prepare for a teaching position interview? What type of questions do they almost always ask you? Thank you. So I think, um, first of all, flip it. Come in with questions. Learn about their school and act like this isn't the this isn't just another date you're going to go on, but show up like you're actually interested. Look up on their website, on their school newspaper, wherever you get it. Find out what they're good at. Find out what they've done that was interesting. And ask questions about, you know, their school as well. Hey, first of all, heard you guys won the basketball championship this year. Wonderful. That's so awesome, man. I saw it on your website and I'm like, that must have been a really great moment for you. Hey, I saw that you guys did a march for Black Lives Matter. That was really wonderful. Like, um, was that hard to commute, like to get people involved in or whatever? And then have them talking about themselves and not just you talking about you. Second, um, I think they always ask about classroom management. They also, they always ask about like, uh, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And be honest about that stuff. Like I tell people all the time, like if I had to go into that now, I'd say my strengths are building relationships with students, taking stuff that's boring and making it interesting, building engagement in class. Things I suck at is emails, um, keeping certain things organized, which is why my room is, you know, basically like, people give me a lot of credit for how organized it is, but it's like, it's organized for a two-year-old. It's like, all the Crayola markers go in this drawer. All the staples go in this drawer. So I don't have to have a junk drawer because everything is that meticulously broken down for a reason. Um, so that I would be honest about that. And then I think the other thing I'd, I'd be mindful of is you thinking about whether or not this school is a good fit for you. So you are not just being interviewed. You're doing the interviewing in a sense as well, because you're trying to get a sense of whether or not this is a good school for you as well. Uh, so yeah, I think that that's, I had one other thing too. What do I always say about that? I had one other question or one other point I was going to make. Um, like is it? School. Yeah. And just go in like you're interested, like you actually want to be at that school. And so that's what I would talk about as well. Um, so yeah, and then here's the other thing. This is the other thing I would bring up. And I can't remember what my other point was going to be. But when you are done, I strongly recommend running the target real quick, getting thank you cards and handwriting a thank you card to any party that was involved. So whether it was the principal, the vice principal, make sure you like make a little notation of their name. If you forget, just go on their website, you'll see their picture and their name on there. And then writing a card. Thanks so much for having me in. It was a real pleasure to meet all of you. I hope to hear from you soon, blah, blah, blah. Uh, best of luck on this year's basketball team, STEM program, whatever it is. 
and send that immediately. Like that same day, go home, write it, put a stamp on it and mail it. And that is going to be way better than a follow-up email or something like that. It is a is hand written, like, like from the heart touch that goes to those people. And I just think it makes a big difference. Uh, Michelle is asking, um, first year teacher here for fifth grade. They are removing students from my class due to them being behavior problems. I know it's not personal, but it feels like a kick. Uh, how should I address it? I would, that's a great question. Removing kids because of behavior issues. I would not let it stop there. Like I would speak to someone and find out where those students are going and follow up with those students and say like, um, so like if they're getting put into a new class, you know, look, I, what they're trying to do is find a space for students to have success. And as a first year teacher, you're not going to have all the tools necessary. So if you were a first year woodworker, right, you're gonna make a magazine rack. It's what every woodworker makes. And not even like we even read magazines anymore. But that's what you make. You're not going to get like make a credenza or a dining room table or something like that, because you don't have the skills yet, right? But you're getting there. So I would follow up with someone. I'd find out what class they're going to. I'd find out what is that they're finding, like what what's going on with that student now? Where are they finding success? How are they finding success? And what things are they doing? Because you're trying to learn. So they can take that student from you, but you're still going to follow up. And then I would try and follow up with that student as well. Like maybe you go to lunch one day and you see them and say, like, hey, you know, like, um, you know, how how's everything going in your new class? How are you feeling in your new class? Like what's going on over there? And, and having that conversation with them as well is really important. Um, so don't let people just take your kids. I always follow up with kids when they leave my class because, and then uh, it, I just feel like that feels like it's full circle. You didn't just take something from me. I, I went and sought it out anyway and, and kept trying to grow that relationship. Uh we are at an hour too, and I just want to respect that because the yeah. kids are wanting to watch it, all the Super Bowl stuff. Um, Kim Morrissey is having is saying having uh, having a tough time with student. I'm going to try and I'm going to try and Fast and Furious answer a bunch of these because I just like I was whispering not so slightly to my wife that uh, my kids are waiting to like watch all the pregame stuff for the Super Bowl. So we're gonna I'm going to plow through a few. Cool. All right. Uh, Having a tough time with the student behavior, especially in the afternoons. Thinking of implementing a split class structure, half teacher directed and half on Khan Academy. Thoughts? I think anything's worth a shot. Try it. If it doesn't work, rework it, right? But let students know like, hey, look, I'm noticing this. And I want to find a way that we have success and that we're all enjoying class as much as we possibly can. So we're going to try a new experiment. Is everyone down for this? This is what we're going to do. And then even pull your kids and see what they think. I mean, that's a, a good move to say, like, do we like this? Do we not like this? Like, what are we feeling about it? Like, can we restructure it a little bit and do something a little bit different? But that's what I would do is, like, just give it a shot. Nothing – look, as long as your hair doesn't catch on fire, then I think anything's a good move. And, and anything is worth trying as long as you're learning to, like, not um, have that kind of fixed mindset but this growth mindset and you're going to look and, and feel out what's going to be the best move next. Um, Kim Morrissey, I just answered that one. You have another one? Oh, sorry. Answer Kim Morrissey. Mm. Um, Kim Morrissey's been on here before. I know that, that name. Uh, again, I'm not going to be able, I'm terribly sorry that I can't pronounce your name, but last name, March. Um, how do you handle a student that gets bored with the curriculum because it's too easy in quotes, but does, 
No. Uh, not, uh, let's supposed to say, not want to advance to a higher class. So I would, one, depending on what grade you're in, so if that student is in multiple classes, I go to the other teachers and say, hey, uh, are you having this issue with this kid? Here's the issue that I'm having. I'm wondering how y'all are dealing with this. One. Two, call home and say, hey, not in trouble. This is what I'm noticing in class. Is this something that's happened before? And if so, how do you find that you are dealing with it? How teachers dealt with it positively in the past? Or like, what what are some things that I can implement in my classroom that might have your student finding success and not being so bored? I think that that's the move. Parents always know their kids, like even like parents always know their kids better than we do. And I think teachers forget that a lot of times because we do spend a lot of time with kids. Um, but calling home and asking or asking previous teachers, maybe last year's teacher that had them, if they're in your school or other teachers that have them in this grade now, get some get some info about that kid. And then you'll know like how hard to push, when to push, what not to push on. And you'll, you'll make a more educated decision. And then, that, so I would take it from there. And then maybe- mom or dad or other teachers are like, no, like he's done this before, or she's done this before. We want them in the higher level class. Um, and then they're being challenged on a level in which they feel like is more appropriate for them as well. Sarah Hallman is asking opinion on school choice and teacher accountability policies. I am taking a public policy class in high school and we are currently exploring these interesting topics. So I think school choice, I, I, so I'm at a charter school, so I'm, you know, a little partial to that. Uh, I think is interesting. The problem is I think charter school started out with this really great idea. It was an alternative to public school. What happened was they kind of got a bit homogenized or the big ones started taking over all the little ones. So like all like Kip Academy around here, Kip and Mastery started like eating up all the smaller charter schools. So like these sort of like organic little cool things that were going on were interesting and fun and had innovative ideas. And then they kind of got eaten up by the, by the, the mega ones and it kind of lost its feeling. So like I have friends that have taught at Kip or like Kip, when I hear about how they actually started was really great. Um, I don't know that that is something that can be manufactured though, because I think there, I think my school is really, I think in many ways, our school is really, really great. I don't know that we could duplicate it though, because I think it's the people that make it up that it's something about those folks that make it the magical place that it is. I don't know that you could always replicate that sort of thing, which is why there's only one hall of justice. I, you know, I don't think they could make another hall of justice because there's only one Superman and Batman, and I'm I'm really like the the Robin of our Hall of Justice, where I just lesser character. I don't think that's that true. was dark and weird and odd. Anyway, um, so and teacher accountability, that's a it's a tricky thing because here's what people want to do with teacher accountability: they want to make some sort of form or rubric that is we plug you into, and I think the best teachers can't be plugged in. I don't think they can, I don't think they can be graded on that kind of system. Cause if you look at like any of like my heroes in education or any of your heroes in education, they don't follow. They're so far off the charts and in, they are, 
let me explain it like this. Any, for every amazing group that ever came out, right? So if I think about when Nirvana came out, they didn't match with anyone else that I was listening to in high school. They were so bizarre, right? Or like Tribe Called Quest or the Beastie Boys or the Talking Heads or like groups that I loved, they were completely unlike anyone else. They were in a like a, a category of one. Now, subsequently, all kinds of terrible bands came out that were like lesser versions of them after they came out. And we could grade those people maybe, but like the people that were the David Bowie's of the world, like you can't grade David Bowie, like he's a genius. And so I think teachers are, are very similar to that. We're like, we can't put everyone on a rubric. Um, and the teachers who try and put on a rubric or have, or break it down like that, they don't care about your rubric anyway, because they're in it for one reason, and that is children and helping them grow. Can we grade teachers that are bored, that suck, that hand out worksheets every day? Those are the people that need to be like really held accountable. Um, but I think teachers that are really getting after it are already holding themselves accountable on a level that schools are never going to like they their little form doesn't even match up to that to begin with. So that's my quick take on that. That's a really great question, though. Um, Summer Tate, my buddy, is saying, I'm leading a committee called School Climate and would love any ideas on rewarding students, lifting morale, giving students a voice, and planning activities for school pride. Thank you. P.S. You have inspired me a lot, and you are the reason I am comfortable being a weird teacher, known by my students as the kooky, as being kooky, yet knowledgeable. Um, first of all, that's really wonderful. I, I appreciate hearing that, and I love that that's your status at your school. Uh, I would say... Um, School, look, I, I just think, I think weird is wonderful, right? Like, so go, go with your weirdness, right? Like, it, like I've said this a million times, but instead of pizza parties, cereal parties or top ramen parties, it's just more fun that way. Or if um, students do something great, like even, I think even, I want, I think it's worth asking students what they would like, how they would like to incentivize whatever it is that they're, they have going on. But I just think that weird ways are better because even students, they've been in the system of education for so long. It's like, what do you guys want if you do a good job? Um, dress down day, pizza party, uh, watch a movie. Um, it's all the same stuff. So I want to say, I don't know if it was Dorian or not, but I think, I think it was our vice principal last year, the year before to like, as part of teacher appreciation, my man set up in the office on a number of filing cabinets. We don't even, we, it wasn't even super rude. <laughs> <clears throat> it was like a whole bunch of long filing cabinets, had a waffle maker, had strawberries, whipped cream, Cool Whip, orange juice, coffee, like powdered sugar, syrup, all like the good syrup and the Aunt Jemima syrup. And so, because for those of you that don't know, Aunt Jemima is not real maple syrup. It's like, it's, it's like cancer syrup. in a bottle. Um, <clears throat> so it's not, you always, you always tell me everything gives you cancer. You do. You're like that red food, don't eat, is that red food dye? Can't eat that, gives you cancer. Stop. Okay. Anyway, I <clears throat> see that to you, not publicly to everybody it's, else. It's I'm not damning anybody. Close seventeen hundred friends. Stop. Uh, so, <laughs> so, um, they 
what I'm saying is like um, that meant the world to everyone. Like you came in and he was like making waffles in the office. My man had like, and then somebody else, my man Hasty took it over. Hasty had on like an apron. I think my man had on like a chef's hat and just, it was so like, you want in to go to your mailbox and you're like, what? first of all, it smells wonderful. What the hell are we doing making waffles in the office? And it was just that crazy. I've had other teachers. I had a guy once, he was a terrible teacher, but every year at Christmas, he used to make um, pancakes for his students in front of the class and they would watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer so and he would just sweet. make real quick, like bisquick um, pancakes with antimonium syrup, yeah. uh, which, you know, is great for you. Stop. And so- um, We have antimonium syrup. We totally do, right now. you know, we dream on a budget. But uh, <laughs> that, I just think that that is, it's like trying to like dig into that a little bit. Like what could be a kooky thing that you could do, a fun thing that you would do that isn't just incentivizing it. It's actually <clears throat> making school a little bit more weird and wonderful. And like, like, what would Willy Wonka do to incentivize things in your school? That's where I would go from. That's the kind of person that I'm thinking about when I'm trying to think of like, what would school be like if it was actually the greatest? Um, do you use teacher guides? What brand? I don't, I don't even know. Like, so I used to, I won't say I know what that is. Um, I used to use teacher guides. I used to use, um, oh gosh, I can't even remember. There was as much teachery stuff. No, so I don't. I asked you about anchor charts and CD because what are, what are anchor charts? I, mean, I had to look it up because I couldn't even, I didn't even know what it was. Um, look, look, here's the thing. I, 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 I'm laughing at that. You're also but at the school. same time, nope, that's not, that's not my answer. Um, you usually know what I'm going to say, but this time you don't. I just think there's different ways for each teacher to teach. And so I think some people, I think their rules on the wall and their anchor charts and their, I think, I, I think even clip charts, some people probably use them better than other people. That's not how I would have learned. It's not how I teach. It's not how I see my students grasping things. So I don't do it. So I used to use teacher guides and damn it, I can't remember what they were, but I did, they did help me out a lot when I started doing like Romeo and Juliet or um, stuff because it gave me a sense of like, what are like anticipating questions that I could ask? What were, uh, reading comprehension questions that I could ask. What could a quiz look like? And it was like a good jumping off point, yeah, but I can't you. for the hell of it. They're all in my attic now. And so I don't remember because what I ended up doing was using some of that information and then making my own, like I made my own version of it. Plus I wanted to make it look fancier and I didn't want the kids to know that I got it from a book. I felt like I didn't want that to know because I felt like they were going to find out where it was and like go order it and know the answers. But um, yeah, so I'm sorry I used that. If somebody else has a good guide that they use they that could uh it could be good um we're gonna watch the super bowl kick off in 15 minutes okay i know, um, I know we, we don't have regular cable so i have to hook up the antenna that i have to run out the front window to be able to watch it too uh yay roku uh connor heath is asking come across your videos only a few weeks ago and you've helped me so much thank you you're welcome man thanks for for checking it out um do you have any advice on teaching textiles Making the class fun but safe as a classroom can be dangerous. Huge fan. Jeez, man. I would say this. C Connor, I would look. The first thing that comes to mind is brands that make wacky stuff. Uh, if you haven't looked up Off-White, Off-White is a brand that my students love. Or even Supreme. 
Off White is literally started as this guy, Virgil, his name is correct. Yeah. Virgil yeah. bought thrift store gear, put a 23 screen printed on the back, and we'll put stripes on it. Bam, off white. 30 cent piece of material that they bought at the thrift store. This thing's $300, right? And so, what could your students make out of things that already exist and customize their own? Or I have guys at school that customize sneakers that they will take your sneaks, they airbrush it or draw on it, and they finish it with some kind of magic. I don't know. And then they have customized, um, like either Doc Martens of Nikes. <clears throat> they'll get by like plain white Pumas and customize them. Um, I would look up, uh, who's our homie? I thought you tell them to customize your plain white Pumas. Oh, that would be sick. That's uh, who's our boy on, on, uh, YouTube who we used to watch? Timmy Ham. T- look up Timmy Ham on YouTube and he customizes sneakers all the time. Vans. Yeah. He customizes yeah. plain white Vans all the time. So I think that could be a fun thing to do if I'm teaching textiles also. It's not just customizing sneakers, but like going to the thrift store, buying some gear, how can you make this pop could be just a fun thing to do. All right. Last question. Uh, and last question is, oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> Minoke, I think I'm, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I apologize if I'm not. Uh, you mentioned a few times in your videos that you greet kids at the start of each class by shaking hands at the door. What do you do if a student's monkeying around in the classroom? Uh, so, so like when kids are messing around behind me when I'm standing at the door, um, there's a number of things that I can do. First of all, I think shaking hands with someone is a way to kind of check them. So like we're we're in it now, like we're on the same wavelength. I'm also like like standing at the door in a way that I can still look around and see in my classroom. I already have the pre-class on the board. So what you should be doing before class starts is already on the board and that helps kids that know what to do. And then I think if I'm not doing that, I am the megaphone works putting kids in charge of stuff works, calling the kid that's screwing around saying, hey, yo, come here, you're not in trouble, come here. I know, we're being, we're being teenagers. Um, and then bring them over to you and having a conversation. So now they're missing the pre-class, which is fine because they're being cool and everyone else is on point. But pulling your offenders, and if you know who they're gonna be every day, keep them at the door. Yo, real quick, before you guys go in, did you see the show last night? Did you watch the thing? Did you do the thing? Did you play video games? What'd you do last night? Like you're having a conversation with them and then, all the kids that kind of fall in line a little bit easier or get on board with what you're doing a little bit easier are doing the thing. And then you're building relationships at the door and you're also keeping them from having too much time on their hands where they're screwing around or give those kids jobs. Like when they come in, they're handing out journals, papers, handouts, whatever it is, tests back. Uh, They have a job that you're trusting them with and that gives them something to do as well. So look, gang, I'm going to go because uh, the Super Bowl is starting soon and my kids all want to watch it. Um, Look, if you need more help, I'm, I haven't really pushed this before because I because I don't like I, I I really try to stay away from asking like I don't like charging for things right. Um, but I do a paid mentorship that you could ask your school to pay me, you could pay me, get your mother in law to pay whatever you want to do. But what it is is our chunks of time every week that I go through lesson plans with people, behavior management issues. I talk about like. It, literally everything with people, personal issues that lead into your school issues and stuff like that. If you're interested in that, if you feel like it's something that you need, I just want people to know that it exists. Right. Um, and I try and make it really reasonable price because I don't want like, cause I realize we're teachers, man, and we're dreaming on the budget, which is why I'm not eating fresh 
Vermont maple syrup and I have, you know, Mrs. Butterworth in there. <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. Butterworth. Uh, but that is available on my website. Also, if I can do anything else to help you, please show up every Sunday night, 5 p.m. Eastern time. The earlier you get your question, in, the faster I can get to it. And that's it, everybody. I hope you have an awesome week. And remember, tomorrow when you go to school, your kids are probably staying up too late playing, like watching the football game. So if they're tired and they don't want to do it, you know, have some grace for that. And I'm just thinking about that now. So anything else? Marley has a YouTube channel. Oh, Marley has a YouTube channel. Called Marley Blubberfish, and it's really cute. You're really cute. You're such a great kid. She um, edits it all herself. She edits it all herself and does all the voiceovers and all that stuff. It's really great. Um, that's it, gang. Have a great night. Peace. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace. <laughs>